This is Kari Gale. And this is Tony Critz. Welcome to the Pilgrim Lost Podcast, a space for those who wander and wonder. Hey, happy Sunday, Tony Critz. Happy, happy, happy Sunday. Because uh, turn my volume down. That was loud. Because <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, uh, if you say it loud enough, you may believe it. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going for as well. So I'm sitting here. I'm actually over in Tom's house this morning recording. Tom Stutzman, you might remember him from our... Uh, episode six. Episode six. Do you really Ish. know that that is six? I don't know. <laughs> the Minotaur episode. Um, and I am in his basement sort of lounge area recording because I got a little bit better Wi-Fi. I'm hiding from the world, but I can still see outside and I have a, he put in this lovely new egress window and I'm looking up at the sky and it is, it is not happy. It's uh, it's pretty depressing. We're just surrounded by so much smoke and, and you know, I'm feeling, I was writing today to, to Scott this morning. I was just sort of venting and then I said and then this is all me being safe and having being in my home and not being evacuated I don't even can't even imagine what those folks are feeling and we know a lot of them that are that are friends and family that are evacuated right now it's just tough it's tough yeah yeah I mean I can't I mean fr- from my study on the second on the second story of my house I cannot see the house across the street it is that thick for people who live outside the Northwest. This is what we're dealing with. It's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. I think, but I think we have, but we have, we have a remedy for this morning at least. Right. <laughs> I am choosing, I am choosing to rise above the clouds, the, yes. the smoke and let's, um, let's have some fun. Let's escape for a little bit. Let's yeah. Escape. I think that's a great idea. Um, oh, I did want to tell you though, yesterday it was super exciting for me because I had my very first virtual watercolor workshop. Oh, good for you. Yeah, this was uh, originally a class of 10 folks that was supposed to meet at the end of March. Um, and I had made the decision obviously to cancel that class. And so, you know, in kind of hopeful optimism, I was hoping it could, you know, we could reschedule it for an actual live workshop. But clearly that's not happening either. So we went ahead and um, I went ahead and decided to make it virtual. And um, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And even though it was Zoom, you know, Zoom is, is so pervasive these days. So many people are on it all day long with their work. I was a little hesitant to use it for um, a workshop format, but it actually worked great. And, um, and everyone had a good time and was encouraged and was creative and so I think I'm going to get to do some more of those. So that was actually a really, it was hard for me to move to, like, I really resisted it. I just feel like I really like that one-on-one connection and the face-to-face connection. And I think right. a lot of people are, are feeling that. But you know what? It was, it was great, especially in the midst of, you know, half of the classes from Portland. And so having something fun and, and uh, creative in the midst of everything going on actually was really nice. And um, so I'm going to do some more. So, um, for anyone, any of you listeners out there, oh, Carrie Gale.com, 
carrygale.com. <laughs> All over the place. If you're interested in taking a workshop, I'm going to, uh, yeah, watch my site and I will have more information probably in October about some future classes and anyone can join. So that's super fun. So if you're listening to me in Canada, we could have you be a part of a workshop. So anyway, there's a plug for my workshops and uh, just stay tuned and I'll give you more information about those. But so that was good. And uh, moving on. So what are we going to talk about today? What are we, how are we rising above, Tony? We're, we're going to rise above. We are going to, we are going to fly beyond. We are going to go outside. We are going to embrace a global heart. We are going to, you know, you know, Kari, uh, Pilgrim Lost is inspired by the community of Santiago, but focused on the everyday. And today I say, F the everyday. Because <laughs> the everyday is smoked in and wearing a mask and in economic crisis and taking unemployment and afraid for national politics and afraid for, and you know what, let's just, let's just pretend like it's not true. And let's actually pretend like, I mean, right now, I don't know about you, but right now I am on the longest stint of not getting outside the country, possibly of my adult life. Wow. Wow. Because I'm, I'm not about on a year my, and a half. I'm not on my longest stint, but uh, since I sort of reinvigorated my travel love, you know, years right. ago on the Camino, this has definitely been my longest stint. And, um, you know, we both were supposed to have gone out of the country this year, me to Norway for a, a pilgrimage on the, on St. Olaf's right. way in July with my sister, which was yep. canceled. And, canceled. And I'm then supposed you, to be on the Camino right now right for now. my 50th birthday. And we're not, we're here. So in the words of the breakfast club, there's nothing to do when you're locked in a vacancy. So let's, let's fly beyond this vacancy and uh, let's spend some time talking about travel. Awesome. I feel like we should have some sort of like Simple mind soundtrack playing right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't you forget about me. me. Don't, don't, don't. So uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we are going to, uh, we, we do not know, but we're going to, we're going to ask each other questions about a life of travel. Hmm. And this is pure, this is pure fun. And um, if you, if you, if you hear one of these questions, you're like, oh, I got a great one for that. Please write us. Please let us know your story behind how, and we just have, we just have dumb questions. We're just going to go for a while. Who knows how many questions we're going to get through, but we're going to just ask each other about travel life and try and get some memories and maybe a little travel advice or travel thoughts. What do you think? I think it's a fabulous idea. Although my questions aren't dumb. You said yours were dumb. Mine aren't dumb. <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> no. you, you as you as the uh, as the intellect of our of our little. Uh, oh, stop! Stop. Okay. okay, who's going first? Uh, you go first. Okay, so this is actually one of those things where this will probably spawn further questions, but mm. I like spawning. Spawning. <laughs> um, tell me about one of your very favorite or most memorable meals that you ate during all of your travels? That's one of my questions no! too. <laughs> I know. That's one of my, okay, so, um, okay, so greatest meal. There's a lot of ways to think about this. Because it could be greatest or it could be most memorable. Right, right, so it could be like most flavorful, most delicious, you know, which would be, you know, this Ethiopian restaurant I ate at on Ben Yehuda in Jerusalem, or I can name a bunch. 
But but I think my greatest meal took place in the town of Pogradets in central Albania. I've been living in Albania for two years. Um, and while while we were living there, it was really simple life, you know, no water, no electricity most of the time. And um, I just made some of the greatest relationships in my entire life. And we were in the middle of this really intense summer and um, we were at the town of Pogradets, which is on this big lake. And it was sort of a midsummer holiday. And a bunch of us, a bunch of us friends, it was half Albanians and half foreigners. We just decided to screw it. We went and we found this little restaurant. We basically bought out the second floor of this restaurant. And we all sat together around this gigantic table. I'm sure the entire meal cost like five bucks a piece. And we ate we ate this particular fish that can only be found in that particular lake. And we sat together and we laughed and we told stories over these two years of just really intense life and intense adventures. And the thing about it that was so magical, um, first of all, so many of the people I loved most in the world were around the table. Mm. You know, there were, Corey was there and Todd was there and Zenny was there and just uh, both Albanians and Americans and foreigners alike. And, um, and we really, we, it was in, I'm an arrogant American, right? Um, there's, there's this hierarchy that you experience when you travel or that I experienced, particularly when I was a young man, I was only 23 years old at this time. And that moment was this moment of unbelievable, um, um, equality. There was this unbelievable sense that um, we were all, we were a family and we were a family and there was no, there was no, there was no hierarchy. There was no, there was no, nothing that separated us. There's just this deep, deep love. And the, the evening had to have gone on for four or five hours of just nonstop storytelling. And uh, that's, I think that's my, that's my favorite meal. Mm. of all of my travels of all of my travels and you Karyaba, i'll just throw it back at you your your best meal well it's an interesting meal because it was literally when i wrote the question it was the very first thing that popped into my mind and it isn't wasn't definitely not the most extravagant or or um you know but the, it has this very special place for me and so what this meal was is okay i'll have to back up a little bit so i had just finished the camino with my sister and my feet were so sore that I wasn't gonna be able to walk to Finisterre with them. So we had been staying in just a little tiny pension, like, you know, in someone's apartment, it's kind of very, very low key. And they left to go walk to Finisterre to the coast of Spain. And I was in Santiago and I was gonna meet them out there, but I was gonna stay one more night in Santiago. And so I popped out of my, you know- Are you gonna take the bus? Yeah, just gonna take the bus out to Finisterre and, okay. and hang out there for a couple of days. So they, you know, it takes three, to, well, I don't know how fast it took you, but uh, it takes folks, general, normal, ordinary folks, <laughs> to three to four days to walk out to Finisterre, depending yeah. upon, you know, how yeah. fast you go. And I think it took them four days. So, um, so I was staying one day in Santiago and then gonna head out to the coast for a couple of days at the, and, and lay on the beach. So I come out of the pension where I'd been staying and I literally kind of walked like out to the street and I look to the right and I look to the left and there's a sign and it says hotel. And I walk down the street and it is the most beautiful hotel. It is this tiny little boutique hotel and it's called Costa Vella and um, I walk in and I basically say, do you guys have a room for the night? 
and they said, we do. And uh, they actually said, it's actually really rare that we do, but we, we have a room. So I stayed there that night and um, it was, it was the, the, you know, the end of your Camino, you're processing so much information. You're, you're, you're figuring out kind of like, what did I think about this journey and what's next? And so it was this very, um, I don't know, tender almost sounds, it was this tender time for me. And it was this mm. kind of, and I was by myself for the first time in a long time, like in that whole journey. So my sister had been with me that whole time. And so it was the first time I was alone to process this. Right. And so, um, they reminded me when I checked in, they said, breakfast is included. You know, when you think breakfast is included, usually, you know, American hotels, it's like, ah, oh, great. You know, it's a, it's kind of a dry croissant <laughs> and maybe some, you know, not quite ripe cantaloupe and a, you know, cereal. So I thought, okay, well, great. You know, but I'm a pilgrim, so I don't have a lot of money to spare. So I said, you know, okay, I'll have breakfast. So I kind of come out of my room and and there's someone, they're like, would you like your breakfast now? And I said, yes. They're like, would you like to take it in the breakfast room? I said, okay, sure. So we walk up these stairs and I have this whole beautiful gallery to myself. And I'm looking out at the church behind, it's this gorgeous church behind the hotel, mm. you know, and it, it's just incredibly picturesque. And I sit down and they serve me this breakfast. And the breakfast was it's super simple, but it's like a, it's tostada. So it's toasted bread, but they, they have this tomato puree that they kind of infuse with olive oil and garlic and you put it on your bread. And then it's also served with this, it's called tita cheese because it's in the shape of a, of a breast. So it's, it's. Ah, breast cheese. <laughs> cheese. Fantastic. <laughs> it was amazing. And anyone who's had breast cheese knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's good stuff. It's like, just, I, I, it, no, it I'm sounds succulent. I'm going on this route now. I'm like, it's really milky and creamy. It's delicious. Um, so you have this <laughs> cheese that you slice up, uh, you eat it with this bread, with this tomato puree and um, of course, there was beautiful coffee, uh, Café con Leche, which I loved, always in Spain. And you would remember this, you know, implicitly, the fresh squeezed orange juice. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they don't, like, you go into, like, the randomest bar on the Camino, and they always have an orange juice squeezer where they're throwing their oranges in and giving you fresh squeezed juice, so fresh squeezed juice. And then they also had uh, pastries. And my favorite pastry on the Camino is croissant a la plancha, which means basically a croissant on the grill. So not only do they take this, you know, incredible croissant, then they open it up and put it on a grill it on the grill. So it's crispy. And then there was, there was like house-made jam. Wow. And it was, it was phenomenal. And the thing about this breakfast was that I sat there and I, I, there was no one there. And I asked them, I said, you know, do I need to, you know, kind of, is there a time limit? And they were like, no, no, no no, take your time. Like this is, this is Spain. <laughs> so I had this like two hour breakfast and I drew the view from my breakfast table. And one of that drawing is in the book, in my Camino book, that exact wow. drawing. And so one of the parts that was so cool about this breakfast is my waiter ended up being the brother-in-law of the owner of the hotel. And he said, you know, I really, when he saw me drawing, he said, I really want to introduce you to the owner. So he did, who's, his name is Jose Antonio. And through that interaction, um, when I came back to Spain the next time, I looked him up and he became one of my closest friends in Spain. 
So this breakfast was this like catalyst portal. It was, and it, and that hotel is so through the wardrobe. <laughs> it really is, and I I cannot wait to go back there. In fact, I just you know if in in some ways, if you were to ask me the question of like that place you want to go back right now in this moment, it would be sitting in the garden behind Costa Vella, which is one of the most beautiful gardens, like patio gardens I've ever seen in the world. And um, it's just this precious spot to me. And I spent, when I went back to Spain and did for my exhibition, I ended up spending, you know, I would try to go to breakfast there once a week. And it was such a treat every time. Do you remember Paula who was on the podcast a couple months ago? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So last night we had dinner at, at Paula's house with her and her husband. Oh, nice. And, um, and we did Mediterranean we did shawarma on the grill and oh. homemade baba ganoush and homemade tzatziki and shopska salad. And we experienced complete food euphoria. And one of the great things about food is food is one of those things where we really can experience the other side of the world wherever we are. You know, you can really have, because it's so multisensory and it literally the way that the human soul has been programmed that we can just get almost teleported out of the mundane into the transcendent through the doorway of these kinds of, of cause doorway of flavors and smells and all that. So, and fellowship. I met a friend the other night um, in the midst of the smoke. It wasn't as quite as bad as it is now. So you couldn't really smell it yet. And we went out and had a had dinner at um, a Spanish bar here in in. Portland oh yeah, you're talking about this. Yeah, called Bar Casa Valle, and um, super delicious. Highly recommend it. They have a lovely patio. Um, and I had a glass of manzanilla sherry, hmm. and that sherry is what the only thing they drink during feria in Sevilla. And I lived in Sevilla in my college years, um, in back in well, I won't even go back back in the back in the mid '90s, and that immediately i saw it on the menu and i said oh my god we have to order this i made her order one even though she had no idea what it was and that first sip it just was just exactly what you said i was immediately there with all of those memories all of those smells like those experiences they just flooded through me and that's what i love about food i just food is so i mean it's such a beautiful thing we we have to eat it but it's so transformative and experiential and so lovely anyway. So yeah. Okay. My turn. Okay. You go. Okay. I, I want I wanted sort of a, a favorite place in the world, right. Mm -hmm. to, to go visit from, from your experiences, not, not a new place, like something you've mm -hmm. already done. And I want to know a place you would go if you only had a weekend and mm. a place you would go if you had a year. So where would you live versus where would you visit? Is it, yeah, so these could be, these are supposed to be, it could be in a country or what, what are my parameters here? Is it? Doesn't is matter. It, it can be, you answer it. You answer what you want to answer. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. Well, so you know that I did an artist residency on the island of Iona. Yes. Which you, is off the coast of Scotland. And yep. um, I was there for two months and it would be very it would be very different type of a year if you were looking for me if you, that's those two months were so um i slowed down so much my life simplified so much that i i felt like it was it was 
one of the first times I was really able to hear my own processing, my own thoughts without this distraction of other things. Like mm. there just wasn't, you know, all this external stimulation. Iona is this very small island. If you're not familiar with it, it's, you basically have to take like three bus rides. You know, it, it's, 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 a tr it's a trick to get there. You don't just end up there. You have to be purposely going there. About 150 people live on the island. Um, and I was staying at the hostel. So there was people interacting with me, but that was really the only sort of outside stimulation. It's a very simple island. But the idea of living there for a year was like, I wanted to stay. I had been there two months. I actually was, I wasn't there two months um, consecutively. I was there in February and then in November. But to have a year to just be in that sort of quiet space for me was amazing. Now, if you were going away for, you were looking for a year of like excitement and things to do and things to see, um, I would love to go back and live in Edinburgh. I only got a small chunk of time there, but it was... Um, for a year? Yeah. It's like cold and wet in Edinburgh, isn't it? Yeah, but I love <laughs> Scotland. Scotland's so amazing. I mean, it's just a, I mean, the, the museum, I had the two exhibits that I've seen that were my favorite exhibits I've ever seen at any museum were in oh. Scotland. Yeah, I mean, and here's, you know, and that'll, that'll bounce off one of my other questions later, but, um, but the weekend, like, I think you could do a weekend in Edinburgh and really get a flavor of the city. Um, the thing for me that's hard is when you don't have, <clears throat> excuse me, when you pop into a city, it's very hard to get a feel of the place without having a friend or an acquaintance that can kind of guide you through it. And so for me, when I'm alone, I tend to want to, to be in spaces that are small because you can walk into the local, you know, pub and have a conversation because they immediately know that you're not from there. Mm -hmm. So in a city, you can just hide and sort of just be one of the many tourists that are there. But in a small town, if you come into a small town for a weekend, there's much more of a chance that you're going to get to engage with the people that live there. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So I'm batting that back over the net at you. Well, as far as cities are concerned, um, if I'm short term, I it's a toss up between um, Prague and Istanbul and really Istanbul. There's not a, there's not a city that's more stimulating than Istanbul on the short term. I don't know if I'd want to live there, but un unbelievable. I mean, the, East, West, Asia, Europe, Islam, Christianity, phosphorus, unbelievable group of people, rich, poor, the flavors, the smells, the experiences, the bathhouses. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, but if, I'm, if I've got a year, I think, I'm, I think I want to live in Israel. Oh, whoa. I lived there, I lived there once for several months. And the thing about Israel, you know, I've got a religious background, but if Israel had no religious significance, I would still choose it as my place. Ooh, expound on that. Why? There's no, there's no better place for food in the world. Mm. Because of the diaspora and all the Jews coming back from all over the world, 
every restaurant are first generation immigrants making the most it's it's all so real and all so just like unbelievably uh, uh satisfying every <laughs> every taste bud and then um athletically i've never been to a country that was where i could get in on a collegiate level pickup basketball game or a collegiate level pickup volleyball game um the extreme sports are insane in israel like if you like to rock climb or mountain bike or whatever it's unbelievable oh, wow. beaches are incredible and then it's such an erudite country i mean hmm. I, it's so every day first of all and this is part it might be some of the american thing and some personality thing but it was just so easy for me to make friends there and every conversation was so substantive and i just found that um people who live inside of Israel, be they Jewish or not, tend to really have thought things through and, and have, have read, are well read. And I just found the conversations to be so stimulating and transformative. And then it's, you know, it's just ancient, you know, it's got ancient and modern side by side. And uh, I, it's, I, I've never been anywhere that I was as stimulated as I was. Mm. There you go. Okay, who's turn? Oh, it's your turn. It's my turn, and that I kind of that kind of makes me want to ask this next question. Uh oh. Is um what what? I mean, you kind of maybe answered it, but you can go a little farther on it. What things do you really think make a place your favorite, and why? Yeah. So um, I just named a bunch of things about sort of experiences, which are all true. Um, I, I, the variety of experiences, you know, being able to get out in nature and then like walk into ancient ruins, go to an art museum or sit on a beach, you know, if, if I'm able to ping pong between those sorts of things. But for me, particularly when traveling, um, n not, not living someplace else, but traveling somewhere, um, I need to be alone. I need to be alone for long stretches of time and so like Prague I love Prague there's not a better city to be alone in than Prague because mm. this the the old city goes on and on and it's not like it's not like Vienna with these big wide boulevards where you know it's like if I'm going to walk down this it's going to look the same for the next two miles because it's just this massive like imperial boulevard you're walking down right yeah yeah Prague are these winding cobblestone streets. So every turn, you don't know what's coming around the corner. And um, the, it's like having a conversation with the city mm. and the culture. And um, you never know what cafe you're going to stumble upon, what church you're going to be able to go into, what um, you know, street musician you're going to come about upon, what art exhibition you're going to find, you know, it's just all of that. And, um, and I just love to walk a city for hours and hours by myself. And, um, it's not that I don't love being with other people. I do, but there's, uh, there's an awareness that I experience and there's a relationship with a place that I experience when I'm non-distracted by keeping company mm. else that to me is really important. So. It's interesting that you say that because I remember there was one moment um, that sticks out in my mind that was super profound, like this profound moment of, of being alone, really for the first time as an adult. I had just, I was living in Spain for my, uh, my junior year, actually it was my senior year abroad, um, and we went to Barcelona and the girls that I had intended to go with, something had happened with our train and so 
their train was two hours behind my train because I couldn't get a seat on their train. And it was like, oh goodness, I'm going to have to go alone. And that trip, I ended up being in the train compartment with a Japanese man and, um, and then two guys from Barcelona. And I remember being in that train compartment and they were speaking what I thought was Spanish. And I thought, oh goodness, I am really, really, I thought, you know, it was, I think it was like a month in and I thought, oh, I'm getting better with my Spanish, but I couldn't understand a thing. Like the words sounded familiar, but I was just like, oh geez, I'm awful. I'm never going to make it and be able to speak Spanish. And then I realized they were speaking Catalan because <laughs> they were from Barcelona. So there's huge relief. And I ended up being in this train compartment, you know, translating from the English, the, Japan, the Japanese guy could speak English. So I then would translate in my really horrible Spanish back to these guys. And we just had this wonderful experience. Mm. And then I ended up being in Barcelona. And so for a day before my friends, and I started walking the city alone. And I would absolutely agree with you. There's such a, that was such a revelatory experience for me. I remember sitting up in this church I stumbled across this small church and I'd, I'd climbed up into the, you know, the bell tower that you could, you could kind of perch on the edge. And then as I'm climbing up into the tower, I hear this music and I peer over the end and it was a choir, a random group of people had just decided to start singing and this beautiful harmony. And then the bells start. And I was just like, Oh, it was that moment of like, for me that I don't know. I like, I will never be the same. Like, this is something so impactful is happening in this moment. And it was mostly because I was alone for the first time in my whole life in that sense, you know, like I'd made this decision completely on my own and I was having this beautiful sens sensory, amazing experience. And yeah, that, that when people asked me when I went off to travel and they were like, you're going alone for a year and a half. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I think it's my turn. I think so too. So give me, give me an, oh shit, I'm American moment from your travels. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's so many. Um, most of them were probably too crude for me to talk about on, on this podcast. Um, let me think here. Okay, while you're thinking about that one, I'll give you another one. Okay, give me another one. Give me a um, give me an eyes meet across the crowded room story. Ooh. Well, I was on the Camino. And <laughs> That's what you have to think about. Like, <laughs> like I'm an American. Oh, I'm not sure. There's, oh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> um. And it was so funny. I, it was the second night. It was in Roncesvalles, which is a crazy, crazy giant place of meeting pilgrims. It's because it's a huge, huge, huge pilgrim hostel. So it's, um, that was actually the only night that I didn't draw on the Camino because there was so many people and so much going on and everyone running around that I was so distracted. But I was mostly distracted. And I actually, I actually note this in my book. <laughs> there was this Italian man that I met. We were like taking off our boots I think in the boot room and I look up and our eyes meet and he was so beautiful um and then we both like stood up from our boots and he was about up to my shoulder <laughs> but it didn't matter I was like he's a beautiful Italian man now so then later on I'm going to find my bunk and he's in the bunk next to mine but on the other side of the divider 
so there's like this little wall between our two bunks but he so we like chatted a little bit and we realized he couldn't speak English I had no Italian you know I tried to use my Spanish we basically was he was like what music are you listening to and I was like here listen to my headphones that was the the, the vast exchange that we had eyes meet across the crowded boot room <laughs> it's true and then it was it was very cute we were laying in our bunks you know in our sleeping bags with hundreds of other people and he passed me a note over the divider oh sweet and he was just like it was nice to meet you buen camino oh, and um, and the thing was is i i think i think we also somehow in the exchange i had gleaned like that they were walking like like you, like crazy amount. And so I knew I would never see him again because he would be walking so quickly that he would be way ahead of me on the Camino. So we did not cross paths again, but it was lovely. And I kept that little note and it's in my journal. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, do you have an eyes meet across the boot room story? <laughs> not boot room, but. Um, well, uh, uh, my favorite of those types of stories was. I was in Malaysia with our friend Patrick. Yes. Hi, Patrick. And Patrick was uh, went to bed early, and I did not. And we were on a little island up in northwest Malaysia. We were doing some scuba, scuba diving and hanging out. And um, I'm sitting in this bar with all these obnoxious British Empire people. There were Irishmen and uh, English and and they were obnoxious i mean they were obnoxious they were sort of the worst part of western travelers telling really inappropriate stories and laughing at themselves and demanding attention and i was just sitting in the corner by myself trying to ignore them and trying hoping that they wouldn't invite me into the dialogue because i didn't want to have to tell them that they were they were what make westerners look bad and while i'm sitting there across the room there's this absolute work of art sitting this woman who later i would learn was from somalia was just sitting there by herself and i think she was equally annoyed and she could sense that i was exasperated by the experience and there was definitely a there was definitely a long and lingering across the room and eventually we ended up talking the, the night away and it was very, very, it's very, very lovely. It's back when I was a single man. Um, back, back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, but it was, it was a night that I will never forget. Hmm. Travel definitely, especially traveling, traveling alone is like, there are those, I think because you are alone, you, you definitely seek out people that you would never, if you were traveling with someone, you know, if you had that, that, um, that comfortable comfortable space where you're always with someone but almost inevitably i would always you know go up to the bar and sit down at the bar and i also one of my magic absolutely. i'm sorry absolutely no keep oh, going. absolutely sorry you, you bumped it out a little bit there but one of my magic uh tricks uh, to meet people um is i just pull out my journal and i start drawing and right inevitably People are like, what are you doing? What are you drawing? It's the most wonderful conversation starter. Completely. Um, so that's always been a really helpful thing for me in my, you know, quote unquote, singleness when I'm out traveling to be able to just engage with people. 
And uh, honestly, because of my experience overseas and things like that, when, um, so here in Portland, when I'm just out walking the city or whatever, and I, you know, when I stop at a cafe, when cafes are open or whatever, I almost always will take a book or something out of my bag and I'll place it on the table. Even if I don't plan on reading it just because it might, somebody might see it and snag a thought and they might stop and talk and I might make a new friend and those sort of eyes across the room. That's, it's not just romantic. You know, I can't totally how many train rides I've spent with a stranger, how many bus rides I've spent with a stranger, how many cafe conversations turned into a three hour friendship, you know, that I'll never see them again, but what a three hour friendship. Mm, Totally. Okay. I I figured out my moment that one that just in that conversation made me think of my American moment. And it wasn't necessarily something that I did that was stupid because we all have done that. Um, It was just that moment of feeling so different, so other. So I was on the Camino Portugues walking it by myself. And um, I had met a couple of friends, one friend from, you know, Germany, another friend from, um, from Sweden, and we were walking together. And then um, I had not prepared properly and I had not put sunblock on the back of my calves. And I had not really ever walked the Camino in like such incredibly hot weather, but we were walking at the beginning of October and it was crazy hot in Spain at that time. I'm sorry, in Portugal. And so uh, I got this horrible burn. And so they, we stopped, we finally, you know, we stayed in our, in our, in our albergue and then they were wanting to stay, but I was like, you guys go, I'm just going to take a day and chill because I, my sunburn was that bad. It really hurt. So they went ahead. And so I ended up walking. I decided to walk much slower that day and just do like a 10 miler versus they were going to go do like a 20 miler. So on the map, there's really one random place to stay. And and then the notes, they were like, you know, basically they were like, no one usually stays here, but this is here. (laughs) So I get to this, it was called a Quinta and it's this huge, like, ranch if you would you know put a ranch in Portugal with like a big sort of mansion-y house and then like grounds and um I was the only one staying there and it just was it was like an apocalyptic movie where it felt like everyone had been left moments before and but no one was there um so I was stayed there for the night and they didn't have any food at this place so they you know I said is there some place that I can get some food and they said, yeah, you have to walk into town. It's about two miles into town, you know, and basically there's one place you got to go. So it's, you know, October, the night has come. I'm walking in the dark with my flashlight and I come around the town and I see the one door. <laughs> there's just one place. And I open up the door and there must have been like 30 older Portuguese men in this crowded into this tiny little tavern and uh literally i walk in and you know i'm six foot three portuguese men are not tall and nor are italian men nor are italian men most of that whole southern region there's not there's not a lot of height going on us scandinavians we, we got the height right so i walk in the door and literally it was this loud you know if you think of a tavern with 30 people stuffed into it, it's like this kind of din and you know, everyone's, you know, talking back and forth. It literally stopped like the most silent moment. (laughs) And I'm standing in this doorway 
And they all, every single person turns and stares at me for a good, it felt like a minute. And I'm just standing there and I felt, I was frozen and I felt so, so, so other in that moment. Mm. And, um, and I sat down and then the, the bar guy, you know, came over and he was very kind and they were all like, everyone I experienced in Portugal was incredibly kind, but it was definitely that moment of, you know, there is not even that there isn't anyone here like me or, you know, also cause I couldn't speak the language. I, you know, I'm used to doing the, the Camino in Spain where I can speak Spanish, but not having the language looking so ridiculously different. And yet still there was, when I sat down, there was so much kindness that they gave me. And I felt like, um, I feel like other countries are so much better at that than we are. And to be, I was just really humbled. I'm really humbled by how I'm treated in other countries. And there really has never been a moment that really sticks out where people are like, where people have been unkind to me. Mm. Everyone has mostly been incredibly gracious to me and welcoming. And um, even though there's all those days where I try to pretend that I'm not from America, <laughs> um, you know, even when people find out, they're just, they, they kind of just take you at face value and they're not, they don't attach the country to you. Does that make sense? Well, that's testimony to you because I think, I think Americans often um, paint a very poor picture when they travel. And I think Americans often are, are not, I mean, I, I think people are very gracious, but um, we're not regarded super well in a lot of corners of the world. And it's not, it's not because of our politics, it's because we're so damn obnoxious um, and, um, and arrogant and selfish. And yeah. I mean, why don't you speak English, you know, or whatever, as opposed to being apologetic that I can't speak your language or whatever. It's just, so, and you've just, you've learned, you've learned over the years to have a, the right sort of humble spirit and honoring, I think an honoring spirit to whatever place you're in and, and the local customs and protocols and all that kind of stuff, which is so important to honoring a people, who they are and their story. So, And I think in that, in that same thought, that is when you're really, when you're doing that, when you're in that spirit, that is when you get to see people um, for who they are. You, they share their culture, they share their, their, their beautiful food, they share their relationships. And it's that, that, you know, they, they basically embrace you. If you are coming into it, like you said, with that arrogance, they're not going to want to show themselves to you. Um, and so I think that's one of the, you know, maybe we can end on this the biggest, the biggest lesson in my travels has been to, to basically treat people with that utmost respect and coming into this, to a situation like I don't, I'm not the expert here. You're the expert. Teach me, show me who you are. And um, I think that's so important. Um, one of my questions was like, what, what have you learned from your travels that you've taken back and used or has, has become like a part of who you are? And I think that respect of every single person, like not knowing their story or what they came from or where they came from or how they got there and wanting to invite a person's story, like, who are you? That, that, that humility and like inquisitiveness of, of who people are that definitely came from traveling. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I moved to Albania when I was 21 and um, Albania was coming out of 50 years of communism. It was historically Muslim. Um, at that point, um, because of the communist government, the country had fallen apart. Um, so I was around poverty every day. There were, you know, no cars in the streets, um, no, no cafes, no restaurants. So it was very, very different from my world. And when I arrived, I was very judgmental. Like um, that people would tell, there was a lot of, um, uh, what's the word for it? When they, they just had beliefs that were, that were stupid. Like I just, these, these are really dumb ideas, you know, um, superstitions mm. about things. And, uh, and the difference was, was I fell in love. Like I fell in love with them as human beings. I fell in love with them as people. And, um, and when I fell in love with them, the quick judgment, the reflex judgment of let me find what's bad here or let me, let me figure out what to critique was replaced by um, what's best about this or what can I learn or how can I love better or how can, you know, um, uh, how I just want to know what I don't know. I don't know. I just want to know what I don't know. I don't know. And I feel like, um, back here in the States right now, there's so much divide going on. There's so much division between people because we're not walking around asking the question. I, we're not expressing, I just want to know what I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know this particular group of people or this particular individual or this movement that's going on and why they're motivated to do what they do. I'm not, I haven't taken the time to fall in love with them. I haven't taken the time to really climb inside their shoes and understand because all I want to know is what I don't know. I don't know. As opposed to wanting to project what I think I know and what other people need to learn from me, which tends to be the orientation. I think I think particularly Americans when they travel, but I just think it's a human orientation. I know things and you should know what I know and you should think the way that I think as opposed to walking out in the world going, no, you think differently than me and I can't see it and I want to see it because I just want to know what I don't know. I don't know because there are things I don't know, but most of them are, I don't even realize what they are yet. So I think that's been the major change and what's drawn me to really want to have diverse relationships because I so miss that. When you travel, you get to, you, diversity is thrust upon you. Absolutely. And in America often, particularly for white people, um, you can choose to have a non-diverse life. You can have all of your friends be from your political party or all your friends be from your skin color, all your friends be from your orientation or all your friends be from your particular likes and dislikes and um, it's very, very simple to live that sort of life. And when you're overseas, it's not a choice. Diversity is thrust upon you. And what a gift to find Absolutely. that. Beauty. Absolutely. It's a true gift. It is. It is. Any last thoughts? Any last travel nuggets or moments you want to share? No, I think that was, this was a lovely conversation. We might have to have part two if this continues. <laughs> yeah, I just want to share one more and really just to thank you because um, a couple years ago, I had a chance to go to Peru and you were instrumental in helping plan that trip because you had been there before. And I think of all of my travels and, you know, I've been to 50 or more countries, walking with my oldest son into Machu Picchu 
was an mm. unbelievable moment when we, you know, we walked the Inca trail, which you hooked us up with. We were able to do that short pilgrimage. And when you walk up over the mountaintop and you come up, you come over the crest above Machu Picchu where you're looking down into it. And just as you go through that last gate, the sun gate, the there, sun gate. Yeah. Through the sun gate and you pop over the top. And up until that point, all you've been looking at is, you know, rocks and cobblestones and climbing those endless steps. And uh, it seems like the entire world is just six feet in front of your face. And then you crest through the sun gate and the entire valley opens up beneath you and the expanse of Machu Picchu laid out on the ground below you, like an ancient map, you know, by, by travelers written long ago is unbelievable. And to have my son with me was just really, really magical. Mm. So thank you, Kari. You are welcome. So there you go. Well, guys, uh, we'd love to hear some of your travel stories and favorite memories, best meals. Um, yeah, so share with us. And we hope wherever you are that you're safe and um, that you are enjoying the last bits of summer. And we hope to see the sky, the blue sky again soon. So yeah, and and uh, yeah, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your answers to all these questions and more. But um, you have friends and you have family who are stuck in in quarantine and are feeling the pressure and sometimes it's fun to just sit and tell stories of places far away and times long ago and so take these questions and more the better ones that you come up with and next time around the dinner table or next time you're with friends uh, ask these sorts of questions and and, and go ahead let's uh, let's 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 disappear together and and remember sights and sounds and smells and flavors and friendships and eyes meeting across a crowded room with one another mm. yeah thanks for getting lost with us you guys thanks for getting lost thank you for walking with us to stay connected visit us at pilgrimlost.com please comment share and respond Thank you.